That's the Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce Business Achiever Award, which is given, well, not necessarily given every year. Hey, given only when there's a worthy is somebody. This, is this him with uh, Nancy? Yes, indeed, that is Mr. Lebowski with the First Lady. The Helsinki job was mine. The Helsinki job was not yours. If it was yours, you'd be in Helsinki. Promises were made. Not by me. I've been with the company for 24 years. I was posted in Greece for 15. Papandreou wins that election if I don't help the junta take him prisoner. I've advised and armed the Hellenic army. I've neutralized champions of communism. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish, which should come in handy here in Virginia, and I'm never ever sick at sea. So I want to know why I'm not going to be your Helsinki station chief. Let it ride! Well, I feel like I might be ready to move on. You know, get my life back on track. So... I'm going to ask Polly Prince on a date. Oh, that's a mistake. She's not right for you, dude. Rain dance! What do you do? I do many, many things. I am a writer, a doctor, a nuclear physicist, a theoretical philosopher. But above all, I am a man. Hopelessly inquisitive man, just like you. Can't start paying you first. You'll have to start Hatterberg. Yeah, I don't want to go 15 rounds, Billy. The lineup card is mine, and that's all. Okay, the lineup card is definitely yours. I'm just saying you can't start paying it first. Well, I am starting him at first. I don't think so. He plays for Detroit now. You traded Pena? Scotty! Well, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to grab you like that or scare you or anything. Sorry. Hey. What's no, the matter with I you? I forget it. I'm, just, I'm really drunk. Really, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm out of my head. I'm so wait. I'm really wasted. Really, Dirk. I'm really just wasted. I'm crazy right now. I'm really crazy. Well, it was fun. Because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You are not cool. I bet you were home. I'm always home. I'm not cool. Me too. You're doing great, man. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. My advice to you, and I know you think these guys are your friends, if you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Oh, it's the hardest when someone has a notion about you and it's impossible to convince them otherwise. Because since I was a child, folks have thought they had me pegged because of the way I, the way I am. You know, the way I talk. And, and they're always wrong. Oscar goes to Philip Seymour Hoffman. And my, my, my mom's name is Marilyn O'Connor, and she's here tonight. And uh, I'd like, if you see her tonight, to congratulate her. Uh, because uh, she brought up four kids alone, and, uh, and she deserves the congratulations for that. And... Um, Uh, we're at the party, Ma, you know? Um, and uh, she took me to my first play, 
and she stayed up with me and watched the NCAA uh, Final Four. And uh, my passions, her passions became my passions. And, uh, you know, be proud, Mom, because I'm proud of you. And we're here tonight. And <laughs> it's so good. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, did you miss me? I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Every week, we talk movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and we give you a detailed analysis of our chosen movie of the week. But don't worry, because we will warn you before we go into spoilers. And remember to stay tuned till the end of the episode for our weekly recommends, in which we suggest something that you need to check out ASAP. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about the BBC's Sherlock series. We've talked about this show a couple times, I think, on the show already in the past. Uh, It's come up numerous times in Weekly Recommends. And uh, randomly throughout the year, in, in uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's multiple roles, we've discussed Sherlock. Yeah. And uh, Martin Freeman has also made himself quite, uh, quite public um, in 2013 and years past. So, I think uh, I agree with you guys that this this deserved its own episode. Yeah, totally. And there's nothing on in the movies, so you know. Well, you know I prepared good, good quite a bit of I Frankenstein notes. <laughs> You can do a solo podcast on yeah. I Frankenstein. <laughs> well, I've been, I've been dying to talk about Ride Along, so anytime you guys are ready. <laughs> you mean highest grossing film of 2014, Ride Along? <laughs> you guys yeah. are saying that I saw that awkward moment for no reason? <laughs> Man, I heard that as brutal. <laughs> Nothing can possibly be worse than the pie scene alone in Labor Day. Like, I would rather see all of you those You saw movies. Labor Day? No. I would rather have seen all of those movies that we just listed than than just watch Labor Day. Like, is the, is the pie scene the kind of like ghost looking thing? Yeah, yeah. You've seen yeah. it. If you've seen the trailer, you can't miss it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, yeah. The like, even in the ghost, trailer, yeah. it looks like something they got cut out of a Nicholas Sparks movie. So <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Nicholas Sparks movie. I I, yeah. I was shocked when that was Jason Reitman. Surely that has to be like uh, you know. Hey, look. If you'll do this for our our for our studio, we'll. Uh, We'll finance your next, you know, whatever, whatever passion yeah. project he has. I mean, well, surely, surely his it's next movie be that. is uh, with the Sandman. All right, so that makes me a little nervous. Yeah. yeah and by maybe. the way, I know she's married to Josh Brolin, but how is Diane Lane not in that movie? <laughs> yeah. How did they true. not make that their like partner relationship movie? Right. Every time I picture it, I picture Diane Lane, then I go, "Oh wait, it's Kate Winslet." That's weird. <laughs> It is weird. But I am looking forward to your I Frankenstein podcast, Richard. So just I'll tweet, do it out. Yeah, yeah. tweet out whenever you post it. No, I will. Be sure to check that out. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! Uh, there is a lot of stuff to talk about, guys, before we jump into Sherlock talk. Some unfortunate terms to talk, first of all, movie news. Uh, quite unexpected that we, should, we would be talking about this this week. Brian, do you want to break the news, I guess. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows at this point, but start the conversation. 
Yeah, well, we le- we uh, we learned just Super Bowl Sunday of the the seriously untimely passing of one Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, who tragically looks like overdose heroin is what we've uh, what we've seen, right? I don't think. I, 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 I latest I saw today was that it was drugs, but there was no heroin, so it was okay. some other type of concoction. Um, okay, so. Something, something bad, um, and we we lost one of the one of the I think one of the very best actors in the business. Um, I think one of the most well respected. I think if you ask just about any um, actor who they emulate or who they look up to as far as uh, as far as other actors go, I, I bet PSH makes the list. So um, this is a major major loss, and I know all of us were uh, were very affected by the. By the news, um, I don't know sure. if one of y'all wants to go into further detail, but just a really tough, really tough loss. And and for me, as I think I texted you guys, you know, losing him and and uh, James Gandolfini within the span of like I don't know eight nine months is uh, is really tough. I mean, those are two extremely powerful presence on uh, on the screen, and uh, and we're we're now without both of them. So uh, it's a tough. Very tough day for for movie fans worldwide. Sure, it's it's not. I mean, people die all the time. Let's be real, but it's not every day that an Academy Award winning actor dies. You know, before his time. This is right. a, this is shooken up Hollywood big time. And uh, man, I got to be honest, Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman was is on my. You know, there's probably five people on my list of actors that I will see literally everything they do. Um, yeah, and, and I legitimately get excited. Uh, when they, when they announce a movie, like you know, I think now uh, probably Fastbender's on that list for me. I'll see anything he does. Um, Christoph Waltz, you know, is on that list as well. But there, you know, there's there's certain people that are just so polarizing in every mm-hmm. single role. No matter what role it is, uh, he's great. <laughs> I can't really he name is. a bad performance that yeah. he's done. I mean, you can uh, you could go early early in his career and probably. Talk about like Twister or something. Be like that wasn't a good, sure. but that I mean that was Twister. That was awesome. The, well, the suck, the suck zone, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Was, and I, I think what I said when we talked about Gandolfini, one of the things I said was, I think one of the marks of a great actor is that he can have a uh, a great performance in an otherwise, you know, ho hum or just downright bad movie. And I think yeah. I think uh, Seymour Hoffman's the same way because like. You know, f- strangely enough, like the first thing that I saw a lot of people talking about, tweeting and 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 Facebook posts and things like that was Along Came Polly, which is a pretty crappy movie to be honest. But that's just more of a signifier of how dumb our friends are. It, it is, but I was gonna say he's really he's very good and good. That. In he's that hilarious. Movie. Yeah, and it's such a funny little bit that he does, and it's you know such a throwaway movie, but he's memorable in that. Um, and and I think that's again, look. It's not like anybody can be awesome in something like The Master or whatever, but I think it does take a special talent to be a memorable, good uh, give a give a memorable, good performance in a complete throwaway, crappy movie from ten years ago, um, like he did. So, uh, yeah, 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 tough uh, man, so good in everything he's ever done. I would say I, don't, I really could not think of a I couldn't think of a performance of his that I was like, meh, not that great. Um, yeah. Even in some not great movies. Yeah. Me as well, man. It's just, it's so soon. It's so sudden. It's, it's terrible. I mean, what, what stuck out to me when I, when I went back after he, after he passed and I looked back at his filmography and stuff, 
this guy's versatility is just mm-hmm. there's nobody in Hollywood that's like this guy that can that can do everything. I mean, you mentioned Along Came Polly. That is hilarious. I mean, that is a comedian performance that he gave. You know, and yeah. he what what was what did he just done before that? Uh, Punch Drunk Love, probably. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is not <laughs> obviously not anything like it. He did Magnolia, Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. People don't often associate with him him with that, but he is um, he is in the Big Lebowski. Great. Yeah, um, a movie called Pirate Radio. I don't know if you yeah. guys saw oh, it. Yeah. Came out in '09. He is. I've seen it. He's yeah. amazing in that as a DJ. Yeah. Um, Moneyball blew my mind too. Just an incredibly nuanced uh, performance mm. there. And then he came out the master after that, and the Hunger Games. Uh, he was he was on to some really really good stuff. And uh, you got to think that the best was yet to come mm-hmm. uh, for for Mr. Hoffman. Um. Obviously, Capote sticks out. Yeah, won, just, won an Oscar for that. Yes, nominated three other times, like four time, four time Academy Award nominee. That's that's pretty. Uh, that's, that's saying something. Yeah, Richard, thoughts mm-hmm. on uh, Mister PSH? Uh yeah. I mean, he. Uh, I was completely shocked where Kent you broke the news to me, and I was completely shocked. And uh, I've been really bummed out for several days. Um, yeah. I think about it a lot. It's probably the thing I've thought most about. Um, definitely, I mean, probably my favorite American actor. Certainly, um, certainly on his on his and, path to American treasure status. That's definitely, and yeah. as a as a film actor, we we think of him as um, uh, you know this incredible supporting actor and everything he's done in a supporting role. This occasional leading man with things like Capote or. The master, um, where he's kind of a co-lead with with Phoenix, uh, but you know, one of the things that hasn't been so much reported on is you know in the live theater community, this is like Leonardo DiCaprio dying. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, this is the great American theater actor, mm-hmm. um, and so that's a huge loss culturally, um, and his film career is obviously a huge loss. I mean, it, it, we're lucky we got twenty years of it. Um, he. He's, uh, you know, someone that uh, took acting extremely seriously but was never pretentious about it. I never felt mm-hmm. that way. Um, he kind of did this sort of yeoman's work right. um, with this incredible capacity and talent. Um, he, he was not afraid to go really dark. I mean, if you think of something like happiness or... Um, Doubt. You know... Doubt, uh, even like you know, his role in MI3 mm-hmm. yeah. is a pretty like warped character. You know, he wasn't ever afraid to really take it uh, to a dark place, which now, um, knowing his ultimate demise is like not surprising, but it was always kind of a nice paradox because he had such a kind, uh, a kind face in a way, and then he would have this kind of extreme darkness would come out of him, uh. But yeah, just such a such a you know can't use the word American treasure. We throw that around jokingly on the show, but like such a treasure um, to American theatrical and film culture, uh, just kind of stuff that he had so much work uh, left in him, and uh, it was kind of just hitting his prime. Someone like him, a character actor, you know, near mid forties and fifties, or it's like golfing could be your best years. Um, so. Yeah, tragic. I mean, just just ugh, yucky 
you know, we have a tendency as a society to like, um, you know, overstate someone's importance or their, or their talent or something after they pass, especially if it's untimely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if we do that as a society with Philip Seymour Hoffman, which we will, um, it's still deserved. Um, he was, he was that good. And, uh, it's, it's so sad that he's gone. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it you will, I will always watch his movies in a different way now, which sucks. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing that, uh, the thing that was so great about him is the way you were really able to disappear with him into these roles. And now it's every time I see him, it's going to be like kind of heartbroken. So, uh, but all that being said about his impact on, on culture, um, it's, he's still a man and he's a man with a family and children and, and our condolences here at the show go out to, to them because, uh, you know, as shooken up as we are to lose someone that we don't even know whose work we just admire, uh, they must be feeling it a hundred times worse. And, uh, that's, that's very sad. And, and once again, our condolences to all of them. Absolutely. And it's, it's pretty surprising. I mean, not surprising given his talent, but surprising given the amount of work that he did over the course of his career from 91 when he started screen acting until uh now um it's amazing how many memorable characters this guy brought us mm-hmm. when you think yeah. about it um you know he he boogie nights mm-hmm. i mean that's not the same movie without philip seymour Hoffman no. at all you know i mean just looking back on his filmography it's just truly impressive the the range of work that he did um and the professionalism that he did it I mean, everything, there's multiple, like you said, Oscar nominations in such a short time. I mean, this is like 20 years we're talking about that this guy was acting. So, man, you got to, like I said, you got to think the best is yet to come. And this guy would have been a great <laughs> guy as he aged. I mean, I just can't imagine the performances we would have we would have seen from him. But, man, it's sad. And I'm sure he won't uh, come up um, never again on this show. I mean, I'm sure we'll seeing his praises many more times uh, sure. before it's all said and done. But, man, I, I challenge everyone listening to go back, you know, go back yes. and watch his films. Richard mm-hmm. mentioned to us earlier in the week that he had went on Amazon and, and scooped up a bunch of Blu-rays. So yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good choice, good, good way to do it. What would you guys, if you had to, uh, if you met an alien that was not familiar with the work of, of Philip Seymour Hoffman, what would you, <laughs> what would you, uh, what would you recommend? Oh what's man! What's the first? What's the number one movie you'd recommend, Brian? Uh, mine's almost famous. I mean, that's. Uh, okay. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more at the end of our show, but um, I know I've recommended that before. That's almost famous. I watched it today, um, just because I, you know, I wanted to spend a little time with with Philip Seymour Hoffman before we did the show, and uh, he, you know, he's only in that movie for about 15 minutes total. Yeah. They only have um, it for three days, apparently. Yeah, but he's just he's he he makes the movie honestly, and that that Rest really might be my uh, my favorite movie of all time. That's not Star Wars, honestly. Yeah. I, I love that movie so much, um, and he he's great, and he has uh, he has my honestly, like, I think probably my favorite quote from any movie in that, and he he makes it his own. I mean, he it's not just what's written; it's the way he says it that's just uh cuts to me. So uh, yeah, it's I think definitely. I mean, for all the huge uh, We Bought a Zoo fans, you definitely need to check out um, Almost Famous. Yeah. Because I know We Bought a Zoo gets all the credit, but... 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Check out Almost Famous for sure. I am really excited about Cameron Crowe's next movie. It's coming yeah. out this year. It's untitled right now, but it's got Who a great cast. Who all's in it again? Uh, Bill Murray, I know, is in it. Nice. Emma and Stone. That's all that matters, really. Yeah. Um, great cast. But, this, yeah. but the movie I'll mention, Richard, if I'm talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman, the actor, and not just mm-hmm. the best movie he's done, sure, I'll probably go with The Master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that just I, – I think I mentioned in our Master episode, well, listeners are going to have to go back and – and double check me on that. I thought it was maybe his best performance of his career up to that point. And uh, when it's all said and done, and you know, 10 years from now, people look back, they might say that, man, that was just the quintessential Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. role. Um, Absolutely. The range he shows there. I mean, he's sad. He's powerful. Uh, he it's completely charismatic it's, the whole time. It's, you know, Joaquin Phoenix argu- arguably carries that movie, but I think. Philip Seymour Hoffman definitely uh, carried his own, and I would not have been upset if he had taken the Oscar last year for that, uh, for his Lancaster Dodd um, character. So that would probably be mine, would be The Master. Richard, what would, what would yours be? I was going to say The Master, but I'll say another one. Uh, just some various, you know, just for the new sports car scene alone, Boogie Nights. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just such a hard, I mean, like, it, yeah. you know. Um, the fact that he makes you feel for that character, <laughs> um, and that can be said for the whole movie. That's what makes Boogie Nights one of the best movies ever. Um, is that it's everyone in it's pretty despicable, but like you like and care about all of them, and they're they have a sweetness to them, um, and and none more than than uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in that movie. So uh, we'll do two PTA movies, but uh, just ugh, eh, I'm so bummed out. This sucks. Well, it's not the last we're gonna get of him. He did. He did complete some work that that's going to be released here in the next uh, year and a and half. He did the movie so. with Slattery, and that's another great scene. The uh, Charlie Wilson scene. He, has he did a Slattery. movie called God's Pocket, directed yeah. by John Slattery. Yes, uh, with Christina Hendricks. Nothing wrong with that. So that's coming out. It says January seventeenth. It's might already be out in limited release. I'm not sure. Okay. I haven't heard of that one. Uh, one it's called A Most Wanted Man mm-hmm. with Rachel McAdams. Uh, Daniel Brühl, Robin Wright, Willem Dafoe. So oh, cool. look forward and to time, that. And time travel, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's apparently about the war on terror, but I'm sure there's a time travel twist. Yeah, in there they got to go back in time to stop the war on terror. <laughs> I love that no one loves Rachel McAdams more than you, but no, even yeah. I've even I've turned you on the time travel. Oh, books. it's there's no question. I mean, it's it's the look. I uh, I ordered about time on Amazon today, so I'm excited to jump back into. Uh, the space-time continuum with Miss McAdams. <laughs> so. They should be Back to the Future with her. Oh, totally. Let me make that happen, Hollywood. God. No. Uh, Screw that. <laughs> I will quit the podcast. She could play the Leah Thompson role. <laughs> she could. She would be perfect. That would be perfect casting. Be great. But hope to Take God that movie never is remade in my lifetime. Justin Bieber in the Michael J. Fox role. <laughs> Kill yourself, Richard. By the way, if I, was in a, if I was in a production office right now, I bet I could sell that. I'm sure you could. And... I never want anything to do with yeah, you ever again. I'll remove stay, my name from this, yeah. from this podcast. <laughs> uh, but we have we also have Mockingjay coming out this year with Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman is in that. And apparently he only had a week left of filming on Mockingjay Part 2, mm-hmm. which is next year. So, so they should be able to write around that. I mean, yeah, it's just- apparently it's going to be fine. Um, they're, they'll fix figure it out. So no big delay uh, with the Hunger Games. But, man, uh, super sad. Let's move on and talk something else. But... 
Batman Superman, guys. <laughs> the all-ever-exciting, revolving world of this Batman Superman movie. This is the most depressing news, uh, in my opinion, given the last film we saw this actor in. But uh, we've cast our villain in Batman Superman, and his name is Jesse Eisenberg. And he's, uh, so he's cast as Lex Luthor. This is not a joke. This is not a... Yeah, exhale, everyone. You beat out Brian Cranston for it. Goodbye, Heisenberg. Hello, Eisenberg. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who haven't seen that joke repeated 50 times this week already. Classic. Classic Barden. This kind of bums me out big time, guys. (laughs) Yeah. This this definitely bums me out. the closer you are, the less you'll see. Yeah, you're the you're the now you see me probably hater aficionado, Richard. What are your no, thoughts on? No, no, do not. You hate it more than everyone. Yes, you did. We share that title. No, you're the only one that put it as number one last year. Worst movie. So you yeah, you gained the title. You, I mean, you were angry when we walked out. <laughs> I was like laughing like, yeah, I'd watch that movie on cable again. It was really bad. And you're like, no, I never want to see that again. I was pretty angry. That's you besides were- the point. Eisenberg in freaking Batman. Okay, if there was no um, proof before that this movie was going to be awful, uh, given the uh, shoehorning two characters in, the Snyder factor. Two characters? The delayed. <laughs> yeah. The two main characters plus freaking Wonder Woman and every Justice League member we can think of. And now we're getting Jesse Eisenberg as a villain. Now, mind you, guys, this – could be, could be, and uh, don't laugh at me when I say this. This could be a Heath Ledger cast as Joker type thing. No, I don't know. I don't know. Shut up. I don't know. Maybe. Just remember. <laughs> how, just remember how you felt, Richard. Yeah, I was psyched. I love Heath Ledger. I wanted him to win the Oscar for Brokeback Mountain. I wanted. I wanted Jesse Eisenberg to win for The Social Network. Yeah, you're right. I, you're right. But I do I mean, like Jesse Eisenberg. I just hate now you see me with every every inch of my soul. But he is fresh off a pretty hot cameo on Modern Family, so you can see how you can cast him in this. Um, kidding. They, uh, yeah, this is. I mean, look, I'm sure they're gonna exploit the Zuckerberg piece, um, and they're gonna have him play this sort of swarmy internet millionaire, uh, you know, tech or technology millionaire, I should say. Uh, I'm sure that's the thinking. Uh, so that's the worst. It's, you know, look, I was psyched about Heath Ledger, but I understand people that weren't. But you have to understand, that was in the capable hands of Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, look, I hate Anne Hathaway. I hate Anne Hathaway. Sure. But That's when she was point. cast as Wonder Woman, I wasn't bummed because I was like, she'll Cat be Catwoman? Yeah. I was like, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Catwoman. When she was cast as Catwoman, I was like, and no, you guys know, I, no one hates Anne Hathaway more than me. I was like, all right, I can see that. She'll be fine. It's Christopher Nolan. Don't care. But when the director is Zack Snyder, I I'm troubled. Yeah, there's no way he's going to pull a performance out of this. That's true. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't he can't. direct. He's he's yeah. incapable. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Eisenberg looks really cool, exploding with really loud noises around him. May, if there's one person though, out of all this, that we're going to be after seeing Batman Superman, we're going to be like, man, that guy. Did probably did pretty good for himself. It might be Eisenberg. You're right. Like it's not going to be can... Henry Cavill. It's not going to yeah. be Affleck. We're not going to no, be like dude. Give me, Affleck, give me was... Affleck over him any day. Over this. Eisenberg. I mean, when it comes to, yes, when it comes to this stuff, I 
there is no way he can handle this role. And uh, at least not with the director that he has to work with. I think I think Affleck's going to be I think fine. Affleck's going to come out saying he's going to be oh, the man, worst Batman the ever. Batman. I don't mm. That's my that's early he, early thoughts, early prediction, I know, but Maybe so. I I think we're going to all say, "Look, this was a terrible movie. It's not Affleck's fault. He was fine." And we may like, say it's not like Eisenberg's said it about fault, Clooney. It's not going to help. It's like how we said about Clooney and Batman. Like no one really blames Clooney. Right, right, right. Yeah. I I kind of think that's where we're headed. I think this is going to be this is such a miscast on on the most important. Honestly, the villain in a superhero movie, the villain is the most important part, huh? and we yeah. are. Man, this is a this is bad. This is so bad. I didn't think I could be any less excited about this movie, and it's every piece of news that comes out. I'm just like, oh, guys, I kind of hope I'm dead by 2016, so I don't have to see this or even th- even see it come to fruition. Like, I'm oh. so excited. Fun oh. first, first off, we know the trailer is going to be just awesome, right? Oh, jeez. It's going to be an awesome trailer. They made the Man of Steel trailer awesome. So the trailer is going to suck people in with all these stars, <laughs> and then it's just going to be so funny when it's just absolute dog excrement. Uh, I'm excited. I won't, nobody I'm here so will be surprised. This is my most anticipated movie of 2016. <laughs> Granted, it's the only movie I know that's coming out in 2016. <laughs> oh. But it's my most anticipated 2016 release. Side hmm. note, um, little trivia for you guys. You, did you know that Marlon Wayans was supposed to be Robin in the original Schumacher series? Yes. But they but they went with Chris O'Donnell. But since he had already signed the contract, they had to pay Marlon anyway. And they wow. he, they said he's made like more money off that than he has in anything else he's done in his whole career. He still gets money from Batman and Robin. <laughs> That's awesome. How awesome would Schumacher's Batman have been with Marlon Wayans <laughs> as Robin uh, and Val Kilmer? <laughs> yes. Um, we were uh, – I, I had a little day date today with producer Steven and we were talking about – for some reason Chris O'Donnell came up <laughs> and I said, you know, that guy was at one point supposed to be like the competition for Matt Damon for like young Hollywood good-looking actor guy. Right. And now he's on NCIS or whatever with LL Cool J. And producer Steven, in a genius way, as only he could, he goes, shouldn't have gone with the earring, man. He wore an <laughs> earring, and it dated him. Everyone knew he was from 1997. Damon didn't wear an earring. And everyone still likes him. The earring was his tragic flaw. So that might be the best breakdown of Chris O'Donnell's career of all time. That is pretty accurate. He wore an earring. I got to be honest. I didn't even know he was still working until last week when I saw him on like Letterman or something. Yeah. As the first build guest. I was like, Chris O'Donnell? What is going on? Because everyone watches those shows. Just no one we've ever met. Yeah. Well, how – my question about this Heisenberg news is how do we go from Joaquin Phoenix as Lex Luthor and Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor and Denzel Washington as Lex Luthor to Jesse Eisenberg? I just don't. Michael Sarah was busy. Yeah, like, <laughs> like how many people do you have to say no before you get to Eisenberg? I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Unless like the part is written as a millionaire, billionaire type, like you said, and the director and producers were like, "Who's played one of these type?" Oh, Jesse Eisenberg's uh, played this type before. Let's see if he's available. You know? No, it doesn't surprise me. But it just sucks. To me, this this. I'm, I'm Team Marvel anyway. Fact. I don't give a crap if this movie sucks. It's good, whatever. Uh, this, I don't like Batman anyway. To be to begin with, I, I wish they would stop making Batman for like 20 years. I'm not going to be emotionally upset when this movie sucks at all. No, at all. So, 
this all goes back to not casting John Hamm as Superman. Like they, true. they <laughs> karmically cursed themselves by not by yep. casting freaking Henry Cavill and not going the the aging Superman route, which would have been awesome. So John Hamm as Superman and Brian Cranston is Superman. as is. freaking Lex <laughs> yes. would have been the best. Uh, That's a movie I can get on board with. Yes. Sorry, Everyone Zach. could get on board with that except for Hollywood. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So Step. I hope that this is the worst movie of the year. It will be. I'm <laughs> I'm predicting three years out or two years out, whatever it is. Yeah. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, guys, let's move on from this, and let's talk about Sherlock. Richard Barden. Yeah? I want you to kick things off tonight. Ooh. This is, we're going we're gonna to throw a little, a little wrench in it. Okay. I want you to, I want you to give your initial thoughts first, and uh, spring on the conversation about Sherlock here. Okay. I know you're probably our our TV guy. I don't know, Brian. No. You, Brian, maybe you make an argument for that. Eh. Are you our Brian would be over Brian me. Is? Okay, um, but I, I know you're probably into the you know the Mad Men's of the world and yeah. the, the wires and stuff. Uh-huh. So where does where does Sherlock rank for you? Give us your Sherlock spiel and uh, give us your initial impressions of season three. But but go you know over the first two um, yeah. in generic terms. So, so so Sherlock is hard for me to place. Um, Amongst other TV shows, because structurally, uh, it's so different than than other TV shows. So, I mean, for those of you who don't know, this is a BBC show. It plays on Masterpiece over here on PBS. It's also on Netflix, uh, season one and two. Uh, season three just finished. Uh, this is a show who structurally is is very English. 
it's it's every season is comprised of three uh, hour and a half episodes. So the the episodes themselves are are quite long. Um, you know, without commercials, hour and a half. Uh, so they're they're kind of mini movies, uh, yep. or even even feature movies. I mean, a lot of movies yeah. are an hour and a half. Uh, but but then there's only three episodes per season, and uh, they're kind of are thematically the same. There tends to be uh, kind of every episode has its own kind of uh, mystery. Obviously, it's a Sherlock Holmes story, which is solved. Obviously, uh, I'm going to say obviously as many times as I can, like I'm Dirk, Nov- Dirk Nowitzki, but obviously, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously it's Sherlock. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, the, so he, you know, him and John Watson solve a mystery, but then there's always, always kind of an overarching storyline going over the arc of the three episodes of the season as well. So you're you're kind of watching two stories at once. Um, it's brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly written as far as uh, both the story and dialogue goes. It's wonderfully portrayed by by Cumberbatch and, and Martin Freeman, who are completely perfect. Uh, it's it's set. And this should be said if you're not familiar. It's set in modern times. Uh, so it's, you know, they, Sherlock gets texts and things like this. And Sherlock is also sort of portrayed as having Asperger's or high functioning autism, sociopathic tendencies. And Dr. Watson is a, uh, Afghan war vet. So there's some modern twist to it as well. Uh, and, uh, it's just a, a, a completely unique, uh, show, which is, you know, odd to say about something that's using its main characters as, uh, which are members of public domain. It's hard to make a unique. It's like doing a unique take on like Moses, uh, but uh, it's it's I think a wonderful show. Uh, this season uh, debuted after two years off. Cumberbatch and Freeman had to go film things like uh, you may have heard of these small indie films called like The Hobbit and uh, Star Trek. Uh, I believe Star Trek something. I don't know. You're forgetting the Fifth Estate, Richard. The fifth Estate. Yeah. Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, you know. All these things. World uh, so for, t- for Martin Freeman. Yes, they took uh, so they took two years off to film uh, the uh, their, their movies, and now they've they've come back. And, and season two ended with quite the cliffhanger of of Sherlock jumping off a building and apparently killing himself. And so uh, season three kicked off with uh, solving how he in fact did not actually kill himself. So it's it's a movie. It's a show that's wouldn't the best word for it be playful? I mean, it's just got a very playful, fun. Uh-huh. Tone. It gets dark. It's not afraid to get dark yeah. and a little spooky at times, but it's wonderfully playful in, in the way the actors and writing kind of bounce back and forth, which is a, a very uh, British yeah. uh, thing. The, the, it's very quippy, and uh, the dialogue is just they're they're uh, they're much better at English than we are, which is hence the name English. Uh, <laughs> and so. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I've got on. Is that what you wanted, Kent? Is that no? I, that's great. That's, okay, that's exactly it. Um, my my initial thoughts of this series is just what a cred- incredible vision this was by whoever decided to do this. Yeah, uh, such a Even good Moffitt idea. And, yeah, I know the guy that plays Mycroft is one of the showrunners and writers. Yeah. Okay, so just an incredible, uh, like I said, idea to adapt Sherlock Holmes. Uh, to the modern times, uh, each series or each show, uh, there's three in every series, so each uh, hour and a half is based on an actual Sherlock Holmes story, which I really like, that they don't just make up stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell that the foundation of these stories uh, is set in you know great literature. Like mm-hmm. You know that the, 
that it's going to go somewhere and that it's all going to come around in the end and make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just written as it, as they go. Like a lot of no. American shows are, yeah. you know, like lost. There's no yeah. way they knew what was going to happen in season eight of lost, uh, during season one, you know, and part of that uh, is the structure that these, these British people are smart and really limiting themselves. Yeah. Uh, and the amount of episodes they do and seasons they do because it's genius. Because of that reason it's, it's yeah. very, I think it's so genius to have, Three episodes a season, each for an hour and a half. It's yeah. basically like a trilogy for every season, yeah. you know, of a trilogy of movies. And it's it's much more efficient to get through, I found it, than like Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Where every episode's 45 minutes and there's, you know, over 10 per season. It's just so hard to get through those. And so this is much more efficiently uh, told, I think. You know, they cram a lot into a little amount of time, which I enjoy. The, the episodes don't drag. You know, they're all 90 minutes, so uh, they're all pretty much evenly paced. I enjoy that. I, I like how they bring the old the old um, Sherlock Holmes trademarks into the new thing. Like uh, season, the end of season two, I believe, the Reichenbach fall, where uh, Sherlock gets given the hat, you know, yeah. like the, t- the, yeah. the typical Sherlock hat and he like throws it away or whatever. I like that. And I like how, you know, they sort of have winks to the old Sherlock, uh, Holmes stories. And we should mention the, the, um, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes series. Uh, if we're going to talk about this series uh, about how there's Much two bet. totally different ways to do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. One good and one not good. One good. I mean, one okay. literal and one, you know, yeah, Adapted uh, to modern times, which I find um, this one just well. Lucy Liu infinite. would argue there's three ways to do this. <laughs> Did you guys know that uh, "Elementary, my dear Watson" isn't even a real quote from Sherlock yeah. Holmes? It's just yeah. like a, it's a rumor. So yeah. that the show "Elementary" is based off a fake quote from Sherlock Holmes, which I, I find. I funny thought about researching that show a lot, and then when you guys threw it to me. Just going on for like 15 minutes <laughs> about elementary and be like, Johnny Lee not? Miller. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For those, <laughs> but for the listeners who don't know, CBS's Elementary is based on this Sherlock series Loosely, uh, from the yeah. BBC. Yeah. Loosely, or the idea the was idea sparked of, from it. The idea of a modern Sherlock Holmes, you which sure? you can do because Sherlock Holmes is in public domain, so you can do whatever you want with it. Right. Uh, and apparently there's some tension between the. I know the cast are all friends. Johnny Lee Miller and Cumberbatch are, are friends, but apparently. The, the Sherlock creators are uh, not pleased with the elementary, not not fans of the elementary rendition, which is fair because it's terrible. Sure, it tries see- to turn Sherlock into CSI. Yeah, no, I, you, I can't blame CBS for doing that because no, they're they're they know what works and uh, yeah. they they can rip they know a good idea when they see one, so they'll rip off anything. But Brian, we, we need to get to your initial thoughts sure, sure. before yeah. we get too far into this. So give me your – I know you probably caught up mostly this past week, so you got probably pretty fresh thoughts on this series. I uh, did. I, re- I, I rewatched. Um, okay. I'd seen the first two series. Uh, I rewatched as well, yeah. Last year, I guess, uh, something like that. I, I was initially a little bit hesitant against towards it just because I really do – I know it's a little bit sacrilegious, especially to the Brits, but I really do like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock um, movies and, and the – the franchise that they have going there. So I was kind of like, I don't really need another Sherlock in my life, but people convinced me I watched it. Um, it's helpful that it's on Netflix. Uh, obviously you can fly through them. Um, and man, they are some of the most enjoyable 
show. I, it's hard to call it a show again because it's really uh, like nine little movies, kind of. Um, right. But just insane fun, so smart, so British, uh, all things that I really like. Uh, Cumberbatch is magnificent in the role. I mean, he just – he both – epitomizes Sherlock Holmes. I read a lot of Sherlock Holmes when I was a kid. Me too, I was yeah. pretty fascinated with, with that stuff. Um, and he, he does a great job, a great job of, uh, respect of treating that character with respect, but also making it his own and bringing it to, you know, modern times. I mean, gosh, they do such a great job with that. And, I'll, and a great look, the writing is great. No question. But a, a lot of the credit for this, the success of this, I think, goes to Cumberbatch and and Martin Freeman because yeah. they're both so good at what they do. Um, I have to be honest. I would when we decided we were going to talk about the the third series season um, for our episode this week. I was not bummed, but I had to talk myself into it. Not again, not because I don't think they're good. I, I really enjoy the first two seasons, but I just didn't know what exactly I was going to talk about, you know, or I wasn't that juiced up about it for some reason. And then like immediately, as soon as I started watching this, uh, the first episode from this season, I was just, uh, you know, Oh, this is the best. This is, I, yeah. I don't know why I ever doubted that it is as great <laughs> as it is. Um, I think part of it is cause it's super British. And so I have to pay attention to it. Whereas so many other things that I watch at home, I just, you know, I only give about 60% of my attention. I'm, I'm very, bad or good about that however you want to look at it i multitask and with this it's very difficult to do other things because it's not like there's well there kind of is a language barrier sometimes you know sometimes it's just so british that i have to like wait wait a second what, yeah. what was uh what was and said the, there so and the use I, of graphics and things too yes, on the screen yes exactly so anything that i know i'm gonna have to pay attention to 100 percent. i have a i have trouble getting psyched about sometimes anyway all that to say um, I think the first two series uh, of this are, are outstanding. They're so much fun. They're smart. They're really enjoyable. This new series uh, or season or whatever you want to call it is borderline a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is. They just cranked it up to a whole new level for this season. And I think that's partly taking two years off to just kind of come back fresh. Partly Cumberbatch and Freeman have both become superstars since since then. But I also think, and this will, I, maybe this will take us into like our further you know detailed discussion of this whole show. But I think I texted you guys um, up to this point. The show's always been fun. The first two series, the show was a lot of fun. I feel like this season they had fun. Like the cast and crew yes. had a great amount of fun putting it together. There's so many like little winks to old Sherlock into the series up to this point. And even just like, I think there's a few hints towards just the fact that, that their stars have become stars over the last two years, you know, that, that wasn't quite present there before. That's um, the first, the first episode of season three is Cumberbatch becoming a star or yes. no, season two. Season two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I just, I think this, this last three episodes or this, this series, whatever is just, some of the best television that I've ever seen. And I I can't wait for them to hit Netflix so I can go back and watch it again. You know, I want to get like a few weeks or months between right. myself and, and, and the viewing. But man, what a what a blast this uh this this season was. Yeah. You you made a good point, Brian, where you said you you're hesitant, but once you started to watch it, there was no doubt in your mind. Yeah. You know, immediate I, just immediate. Uh, I, I feel the same way. I I, I made a bold claim I think last year on one of our first episodes, I can't remember exactly 
when I was when I recommended Sherlock, and I was like, man, this is the best show of all time. It just is. It's the best. <laughs> I'm drama series. It's the best drama show ever. And I, when I got to when we got to Breaking Bad finale time, yeah, I was rethinking my analysis. Then I was like, dude, it's so close for me between Sherlock and Breaking Bad. At that point, I just couldn't decide. I, I probably anointed Breaking Bad over it at that point. But man, like you said, this season, Brian, season three of Sherlock, it just it moves it to a whole new level. And, and you know, the first thirty minutes of of the first episode of season three, I was like, so funny. Why do why did I ever doubt my? This is this. It's my favorite show. I mean, the, yeah. the how and just how inventive this show is. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like pushing the the medium forward of television, how beautifully shot it is, mm-hmm. they, it takes itself serious. Like like you said, these actors don't have to do this. You could tell that they legitimately care <laughs> about it. Like Cumberbatch could come in here and just totally like take a paycheck and finish off these series, but he you could tell that this is probably his favorite character to play. Oh and, yeah, and uh, and Martin Freeman as well, and their chemistry just cannot be understated. At all, you know, no. it, it's it's half the reason that I found the the last act of Smog to be the best part of any of the Hobbit series so far. Uh, the chemistry between Martin Freeman and Cumberbatch is just palpable. You just can't explain it. It's just there, you know. And so I think that's just a huge player here. I think I think Martin Freeman deserves a lot more credit than he receives for this series. He's yes. perfect yeah. as Watson, and. And I think Mycroft is genius too. He's brilliant um, in, in in the later stuff, obviously. But I really, really enjoy the stuff between him and Sherlock. You mentioned the graphics, Richard, and I I tried to t- um, come up with a name for myself to describe uh, when Sherlock does it, but I call it in the zone. Like yeah. whenever Sherlock is gonna, you know, you say in uh, da in da zone, yeah, with the da, <laughs> yeah. IDZ. So he, you know, he's about to solve a crime and he like, yeah, everything around him silences and he starts looking around and, uh, you know, all the graphics show up of what he's thinking and stuff. And he just starts rattling off his thoughts. Yeah. Uh, the writing there is amazing. Like if you just listen to the the lines there, it's just so natural because it can go cheesy. Yeah. It can go so cheesy and it's just Cumberbatch just delivers that like, Every episode, he delivers like a five-minute monologue that's just like will blow your mind. It's like yeah. brilliant, like stage acting, in, in pretty much every episode. So, like when he goes in the zone, like like they do that in the in the Robert Downey Jr. series too, right? Uh, with more like camera effects though than they yeah. use here. Very, very slick. Very yeah, stylish. yeah. But the way they do it here, like a modernized version of that, is just so awesome. Yeah, they can make a whole like show based on that, which they probably will eventually. But <laughs> I want a movie where Rachel McAdams stars. Well, she's in the she's so it'll work perfectly. Uh, <laughs> she and Sherlock time travel to modern times and meet this Sherlock, and then we get Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict <laughs> both solving crimes as Sherlock Holmes in different time periods, and Rachel McAdams is time traveling. I can see that. Every, it hits it everything right, we want. It writes itself. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> uh, what before we wrap up our thoughts on Sherlock? We're actually almost out of time, guys. But uh, what is y'all's favorite episode of Sherlock and least favorite episode? 
Do you? Uh, I'll. I'll, I'll you want to go first? Go for, I don't care. Uh, I'll say my least favorite is probably uh, this first one of season two. I think it's Scandal in Bulgravia. Is what it's called. Ooh, I love that because the love one that with like the the blackmailing with the, the camera yeah. phone. That's hot, probably that's probably the, my least favorite episode. Not to say it isn't good. Yeah. Not to say the woman in it isn't beautiful. Yeah, she is. <laughs> they she have is. great chemistry too, though. Yeah. I love that character. I, my least favorite is going to be. Uh, I find that the second episode of every season is the worst, uh, except for this season, which is quite good. Yeah. I don't like um, the one with the Chinese acrobats. In the first yeah. season, the second episode of the first season, yeah, and I don't like the which is the uh, the best Sherlock story, The Hounds of Baskerville. Uh, I don't like either. I hate the guy that they try to help. Yes, um, it's just like the hounds. <laughs> yeah. It's just like insufferable to watch him yeah. act. Um, but I always find the first and third episodes are my favorite of every season. Brian, what's your least favorite? Uh, same thing, Hound of Baskervilles. I just, yeah. I you know, I think that one has been adapted many times in various Sherlock yeah. forms. So I, you've seen it so many times. I hate the main character. And when I, on the rewatch or the main character, the, the guy that they help, yeah. um, on the rewatch, that's the only one to me that the plot doesn't seem quite yeah. as tight. Like there's a couple of little things that they do that it's like, uh, that might've just been for effect or, and where you, you never feel that way throughout most of the, uh, the rest of the series. So yeah, that's to me, that was easily the, uh, the weakest of the bunch. My favorite episode is the finale of season two, and we haven't talked about this at all. Yeah, Mori- Moriarty is the jam. Yeah, that mm-hmm. guy rules so hard. Yeah, um, yeah. He is, I think, maybe my favorite villain since Heath Ledger's Joker. He's just totally insane, and like you yeah. can't convince me that that actor is not actually crazy because <laughs> yeah, he's and he like as good as Cumberbatch is and as good as Freeman is, he steals scenes from them. Yes. And he yes. totally overdoes it, but it's kind of like Cumberbatch with the um, with the monologues. It could be cheesy with how much he overacts, but he just sells it. Yeah. And it's like totally um, organic to the character. Uh, Moriarty just – I was so psyched. We'll get the spoiler territory in a minute. But there's some Moriarty action uh, in episode three of season three and, uh, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. My, my favorite episode uh, probably – the second episode of season three, the hey, wedding. That's mine too. Uh, yeah. The sign of three. Yeah. The wedding episode. I, I I gotta be honest. I was a little bummed out at the beginning. Like it took thirty minutes, I think, to like actually get into it. Uh, but but once I understood what they were doing, how they were going back and forth. Yeah. Between yeah. old old memories of of Watson and and Sherlock and and the wedding, and he was solving the crime simultaneously. Mm-hmm. It just came together so perfectly. Yeah. It was well, just. So, oh, and so don't genius. forget about the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I am I forgetting? Well, when he says the case of the elephant in the room, and oh, then yeah, yeah, they yeah. open the door and you just hear, like, Wah! yeah, <laughs> but you know, like, that was just that was just so, so masterfully done, and the way it, it goes into the last episode is awesome, too. I, th- I, th- I think season three, um, more than anything. Sherlock, uh, the series really embraced what it was, and they took more risks. Like, there's funny stuff in it. Like, yeah, like uh, Sherlock and Watson get wasted, and yes. then they try to like solve a crime while they're drunk, <laughs> and that, and they're like going into the apartment, and then when they do the like in the zone thing, it's just jumbled <laughs> words everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, it was it was awesome. So, 
So like I said, man, season three was just, it's, it's the best. It's the yeah. best of all three. I didn't think they could do any better, but they did. Uh, what's your favorite episode, Brian? What's- yeah, that's mine too. Second, second episode of, uh, of the third season, the, uh, the wedding episode. That was to me was just the epitome of like, gosh, they are really enjoying what they're doing at this point. Like, it's just, just, yeah. there's so much fun. And, uh, I, I, the, the speech that he gives at the, the wedding reception is just a the toast. Yeah. Yeah. The toast is just a magnificent scene. Cause it, I think it fully encapsulates all that is this, this Sherlock, you know, cause he, he goes from genius to just downright mean and rude and then manages to come back with like the most amazing heartfelt, you know, sentiments that you could possibly get in that setting. So I, I think, uh, man, and I, and I just love the, the narrative of just bouncing back and forth and the, the comedy that they did with that. Yeah. Great, great episode. Yeah. I, who's the villain in, in the last, um, Magnuson? Yeah. yeah. You, you say you like Mor- Moriarty's your, your scariest man, Magnuson, this guy, he f- licks the girl's face. At the beginning. Yeah. I've never seen a villain lick somebody's face to intimidate them. He <laughs> pees in the fireplace. Yeah. I've never seen that before. And then he's like flicking Watson's face at the end just to annoy him. Yeah. This guy is hardcore as well. So yeah. they, they can write some villains like crazy. Like these are better than any movie villain we've seen in the past couple of years. These, yeah. Just those two in this one episode. But uh, spoilers, big time spoilers. come. We've already spoiled a lot, but big time <laughs> spoilers coming up. What, what do you guys think about the end of season three, the last episode? I like it. Uh, before you guys give your thoughts, I just liked how they did the false ending. Yeah. Where like Sherlock walks away and everything's great and the theme song starts and then stops and we get the uh, the spoiler. So Richard, explain, explain what happens and uh, give us your thoughts. Uh, Moriarty pops back up. On the, Moriarty shot himself in the, in the brains. Um, so, so, yeah, so... It, it looks like Sherlock's going off again, much like he did in season two, over, uh, obviously in different circumstances. So you, you start right, to think, right. well, this is what they're going to be. He goes away and he comes back, and then all of a sudden uh, Moriarty shows up and uh, it's back on. Every TV screen in Britain has Moriarty's face with the phrase... Uh, did, you, did you miss yeah. me? Did you miss me? <laughs> Uh, so, man, big cliffhanger. I love how these all end on cliffhangers. Yeah. Do we know? Do we know what we're getting season four? Uh, pretty soon. Okay. I, I think like by Christmas maybe oh, or something. Wow. Okay. Cool. I think I heard the the makers have been you know questioned like crazy about this series because of its popularity, and they were like, "How long are you guys going to keep doing this?" And they're like, "Well, as long as Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman aren't too famous." That's yeah, literally yeah. what they said. They'll keep doing it as long as they agree to do it, the other actors. Uh, um, yeah, and, and I heard Saul Coverbridge said he wants to do it as long as it's good. Yeah. So, I mean, we could get – I mean, you think about it. They could do seven seasons of this, and it's still 21 episodes. Right. <laughs> that's that's one right. season of a yeah. network show. Right. Sure. And they've proven that they're willing to wait around. You know, come, Oh, you're yeah. busy? That's fine. We'll, we'll just take a, a year and a half off. That's totally yeah. fine. We're, we're – yeah. whatever it works for you. You know, I mean, that's – you enthusiasm gosh. method. Right, so much, so much better to to just yeah. Okay, get the people you want, and if it takes two years to get it, then fine. Just let it. Absolutely. Let it I breathe. mean, and, and uh, yeah, it's. I it's, would be willing to wait another year at least. I yeah, don't, totally I wait two don't. or three years for another just season. Give this oh. whenever you can get this done. Yeah. Fine, I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, obviously, I'd love to have lots and lots and lots of them, but eventually that wears itself out. So if you want to do 21 episodes over the course of like. 15 years. Okay. That's fine. I'm good with it. Like 
So, it's so, a special treat, you know? Yeah, so be on the lookout for possibly another Sherlock episode uh, the next couple of years. We'll probably, oh, do, yeah. we'll probably watch season four. To. And uh, so this is our season one through three thoughts, I guess, guys. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to yeah. give my grade. I'm going to give this series an A+. Plus. Uh, this might, like I said, might be the best drama series I've ever seen. Um, Breaking Bad is, is quite close up there. But this is just as good as it gets as far as TV goes. So, uh, Richard, what's your grade? Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go A plus as well. I want to touch on one thing though, yeah. because it's something we didn't talk about. Is I'll be super quick. I, we've given props to a lot of people. Uh, Lestrade is great on this show. He's yeah. a really cool little character, and I don't think he ever gets any credit. It's Rupert Graves, uh, but he's awesome, and so uh, and he's kind of a fun, almost comic relief uh, type thing. So sorry, I just wanted to make sure we prop that because he's he's really good. No, absolutely good. I, I forgot to mention me. that too. A plus, great. Brian? Yeah, A-plus for me, and I, I also wanted to throw in, uh, I think that the girl who plays Molly Hooper is uh, a perfect oh, yeah. example of how great this show is beca- and how British it is because she's awesome, and she she fits the part so well. Um, she just kind of fluctuates between in- insecure and like a vital part of what's going on on the scene, you know? Um, I think if this was an American show, that she'd be played by like Minka Kelly or something, and it would just be like, <laughs> let's get the hottest yeah. girl we can find, and it doesn't really matter if she's any good or not. I mean, it, it just I think she's like kind of sums up how the smart decisions that the the, the people behind this show make. Uh, just I, I I love her in this. Louise Brealy, that's her. Yeah, name. she's Louise. great. She's great yeah. at this at what she's doing. I have no, I've never seen her in anything else. No idea if she's. A great actress or not, but for this role, she is absolutely perfect. And okay, now, uh, I like how now she. Now make sure you throw in how great Mrs. Hudson is, and then right. we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Una Stubbs is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, guys? All right, let's uh, let's uh, move on, guys, and let's do a quick weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. All right, I'm going to give my recommends. I can't believe I've never recommended this on the show before, and I might have. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Workaholics is oh, back. Yeah. Uh, new season is on Comedy Central, and uh, so I, I talked to you guys last week. Uh, we had a little combo about it. I said uh, if, if Workaholics isn't the funniest show on TV, I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, it really, truly is the funniest show. I just wish they would add more seasons to Netflix so I could catch up on previous seasons. But um, go on your your TV guide, set a season order or season record for Workaholics. It never uh, ceases to amaze me how funny it, it always is. And um, so that's all I really have to say about Workaholics is how great it is, unless you guys want to praise it too. Nope. It's great. Uh, great. The season's really funny. It uh, is. They're, those three guys are on the uh, Corolla podcast last week. Really? I uh, can't. You want to give that a listen? Super I do. funny. Friday, I believe it was Friday's episode. So really funny. Sweet. Uh, Richard, what's when, your recommend? When Corolla lets them talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, you know, we did the Folk Seymour often thing. Uh, NPR, the Fresh Air show, which has a podcast. Uh, you can know this. Um, on a very quick turnaround, and impressively yesterday, spliced together um, t- two different interviews with Hoffman and another interview with uh, PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson, okay. describing Hoffman. Nice. Uh, it's like 40 minutes, 40 minutes of, of kind of one-on-one podcast style interview with Hoffman talking about his roles. Um, they did a the way they chopped up the interviews, like I said, it's from an, inter- uh, an interview in 99 and another one in 2008. And they spliced them up to kind of chronologically go through all of his work. Um, and it's, you know, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman talking for 45 minutes about acting. 
Sure. Um, and so, which would be great, which would have been, you know, a must listen a week ago. Right. Um, but but now is, is even more so. So Fresh Air Podcast, it's on iTunes. Um, they have an episode every day. This was Monday's episode. So uh, check out. Great show, too. Fresh Air always has pretty interesting stories on there. Um, good podcast, uh, if you ever... Uh, really, it, this, uh, this sounds like an insult, but I mean it's a compliment. Uh, the Fresh Air Podcast is wonderful to go to sleep to. Um, because it's quiet and it's like just in, it's always interesting in some way but not enough to like keep you up all night listening um i don't know i listen to stuff when i go to sleep and i wonder like, what the, like the the requirements to work at npr are, are like whisper it's like voice. they put they put a <laughs> a sleeping lamb in a room and you have to go in there and talk and if you wake it up you don't get the job or something you know there's so, and npr gets a bad rap because it, it certainly has a uh, a style to it which i think yeah. can sometimes be uh uh, detrimental public radio. Yeah, sweaty balls. Uh, <laughs> let me. And you had told us an interesting story a couple weeks ago, Kent, about uh, you know you get that going on, right? But uh, you know, there's I listen to NPR a lot, and there's you know you got to kind of fight through it. But there's some really great stuff on there that's like it bright. It's you know it's like you know my uh, my Sunday morning show that I turned you on to. Yeah, yeah. NPR is like a 14 hour version of that every day. Like a lot of it's brutal, but then you got to you'll find like things you won't find anywhere else. But this Fresh Air podcast is always pretty good. All things considered, is also always great. There's one thing NPR needs more of, Richard. It's listeners, so good recommend. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> but hit the uh, hit that Fresh Air podcast. Both our listeners and you two. Yeah, I will. I did. I, I, I literally just put it on, so uh, I'm excited. Cool. Uh, what's your recommend, Brian? Yeah, I'm going to briefly give you a, a Philip Seymour Hoffman three-pack of movies just uh, that I, I think he's very great in. I already mentioned Almost Famous, which is, again – one of my two or three favorite movies of all time, and he is just magnificent in it. Um, I think 25th Hour is one of his most underrated performances. That underrated movie in general. Yeah, absolutely. That movie is, people just forget about how great it is. Um, Really, the honestly, might be the best thing Spike Lee's ever made, and that may be uh, sacrilege to some people, but gosh, outstanding film. And uh, And Brian, quick on that. That book is written uh, screenplay, and I think the book it's based on, too, by David Benioff. Okay. Who now is the showrunner on Game of Thrones of all things? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, but yeah. he has a book. He has a book called City of Thieves, which when I worked at Borders in college, we had to force down people's throats because uh, yeah. they ordered like two million of them, and we had to like cancel. Them. But it's a great book. So if you really like Twenty Fifth Hour, sweet, uh, you should you should read City of Thieves. Thieves sometime. Sweet, I will check that out. But yeah, Twenty yeah. Fifth Hour is a. I think a lot of people just completely missed it, and uh, you need to go back and check that out. Really, really good movie. Um, and then the the last one is uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, I was about to mention that. May not be a great movie. It's honestly, it's been a while since I've seen it, and I'm gonna have to track it down to to get a rewatch uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good in that movie, and he is. Uh, I mean, he's just he's very grumpy, kind of a malcontent, and uh, very serious about the work that he's doing. And he's so serious that it's funny. Um, right. He got an Oscar nomination for it for Best Supporting Actor. Totally deserved. Uh, and, and it's just a – it's a very – I don't – like I said, I don't really honestly know how good the movie is at this point. Uh, it's I've not seen it in since it was in theaters. But the performance uh, still stands out six or seven years later. So uh, anyway, those are all some – I think that gives you a good sampling of uh, – in addition to like The Master, which was mentioned earlier – Kind of gives you a good sampling of the Philip Seymour Hoffman library of of works cool. if you're uh, if you're curious. Yeah, uh, good stuff, guys. Uh, one more thing I want to mention before we get out of here. Uh, 
I read today that uh, Robert Roger Ebert's widow has come out and said that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was Roger's choice to play him in a biopic that was under mm. development. Man, so crazy. Bummer. Yeah. Gosh, man, that would have been great. Don't do drugs, guys. Ah, terrible. Such terrible. a bummer. Such Awful. a bummer. Horrible. Uh, well, on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye. Slam. Goodbye. I believe in miracles. Where you from? You sexy things. One, two, three, and. What's the bus? Tell me what's happening. 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 Why should you wanna know? Don't you mind about the future? Save tomorrow for tomorrow. Think about today instead. What? I'm playing Jesus. That's my song. I know it's your song, but I felt something and I decided to go with it. But you're playing Judas. Judas. All right, look, here's the deal. I'm the star of the show, okay? So if I decide to bust out a solo, do me a favor and give me the freedom to rock out. From the top, okay, Wansuck? So the play's going well. I think it's going to be fun. I actually wish they wouldn't surround me with a bunch of amateurs. Uh-huh. Isn't that like the point of community theater? Yeah, whatever, Ruben.